Let's launch into this. Let's continue this series that we're in. We're in this series called Virtues. Somebody said virtues. virtues. What we mean by virtues is we are pursuing this, a life of moral excellence. Yeah. We defined virtues last week by calling them a beneficial quality or a power of a thing. I always want, and I will always come back to that first definition to remind us that when we speak of virtues, we are not talking about something that is fragile, not weak, not flimsy. Not, not, it is not the, the eight-carat gold pounded on cheap jewelry. Right. <laughs> a virtue is a powerful thing. But the definition that we're landing on, though, is this, that, a, that virtue is moral excellence. Ooh, somebody should say moral excellence. Moral excellence. excellence. Virtues, then, are principles or practices of moral excellence. Virtues are good, and they have the power to produce good. Ooh, all right. Very good. I told, I told, I told Saturday night, 6 o'clock, that, they, that I was going to tell them that they weren't doing a very good job and that I was going to tell them that 9 o'clock. I was gonna say, I'm going to tell 9 o'clock that, that how, how you guys aren't doing. But you guys are, but they, they shaped up after a little bit. After a little bit. I shamed them into participation, um, which is excellent leadership in case you want to know. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, they are good and they have the power to produce good. The virtues that we're emphasizing are, first of all, we emphasized gratitude last week. The ones that we'll continue to emphasize, generosity, patience, and courage. That means today we're talking about generosity. Wow, okay, very good, because I thought, well, I'm going to say that, and and, uh, and I'm I'm hearing you, some of you say, you might say, hey, wait a minute, oh no, he's at, Mildred, that's it, he's after our money, let's get out of here. We've already received the offering. (laughs) <laughs> not after your money. I am after an increase in all of our moral excellence. Yeah. But since you brought up money, <laughs> I don't not mean money. You can be generous. You can be generous with almost anything. You can be generous with anything that is helpful or needed. That's really important. Being generous means you're, you're, you're being generous with something that is helpful or needed. If I have a bunch of stuff in my garage that I don't like, and I put it in the back of the pickup and I come to your house and drop it off, that's not being generous. Here you go. You keep that. Anything that is, that is given and shows real love, we, that is something that can be done with, uh, generously. Yes. But, again, since you brought it up, if you cannot or will not be generous with money, you probably shouldn't consider yourself generous. <laughs> Being a church boy, and I am one, I've been in church for a minute, I'm, uh, what am I? 51 mercy 50 yeah wow i'm 51 and i've been in church for 52 years so i heard a couple things and one of the things that i've heard people say is i don't really like to give in the offering i prefer to help out in other ways 
Well, first of all, I think it'd be interesting for you to try that out at Safeway. <laughs> Second, what you're saying is that you like to do, you know, what you like to do. I like to sing. I'll just sing. We'll try that at Safeway. I like this bread. I'll sing you a song. Generosity usually means that we are giving up in order to give away. And if you're just doing your hobby, that's fun and that's great, but it's probably not moral excellence. Let's talk about generosity. Here's the definition. definition. The definition of generosity is a readiness to give. This is a great definition. A readiness to give more of something And I might just add something helpful, something needed, like kindness or resources or time, attention, affirmation, encouragement, praise, honor, recognition, and even money. A readiness to give more of something than is necessary or expected. That's generous. When it's more than what is necessary or expected. If I go to Darcy's Coffee Shop and I buy a cup of coffee that costs $3 and I give her $3, that's not generous. That's just paying for coffee. (laughs) The other day, I thought I was being generous. Yes, I was. And uh, I went to that RAR down the road there. Went to that RAR shop. There's a little place that sells uh, sweatpants. And I was getting Maxwell some sweatpants, and I and, uh, went to go see the RAR guy and, and uh, got Maxwell some, some fancy sweatpants because, you know, he's an athlete. He's working out. So I thought, all right, need to get him a little Christmas present. And uh, I like this guy. It's Christmas, you know, and I'm magnanimous. So, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so he says, uh, he, says oh, he, gives me a, he gives me the old CrossFit discount there, and I don't like that. I like to pay full price. I want to be a blessing. And uh, he says, he tells me the price of the britches, and I think that I hear they're 60 bucks. And so I say to him something like this. Hey, listen. (laughs) I say, hey, listen, why don't you just make it 70? And, of course, I expect him to go, oh, well, okay then. And he goes, okay. (laughs) Kind of like he was confused. And I was like, well, all right, that's fine. Still being generous. I looked at the receipt, and it was actually $69 and like 70 cents. (laughs) I should make that for 70 and buy yourself something nice, huh? Okay. (laughs) A readiness to give more of something than is necessary or expected. The second definition, or the more archaic definition of generous, is actually of noble birth. Exactly. That should kind of throw us for a whiplash. Wait a minute. What are you you talking about? Noble birth? I thought we were talking about doing stuff. Exactly. It it comes more anciently because it was a practice that was recognized as, uh, as something that was noble, that only people who had really noble background would do something like that. So generosity really reflects our character, but it also can affect our character. 
It can reflect what's in us, but it also can affect. It can change us. That's what, that's what virtues do. They are good, and they have the power to produce it. People tend to measure their lives and their significance by their achievements, by their possessions, or perhaps their titles or their positions. But heaven measures the significance of our lives by what we do with what we've been given. Jesus will never ask us about our titles or our possessions. Not really about our achievements so much. But he will ask us what we did with with what we were given. All of the parables that talk about Christ's return in this way and his servants. The master always gathers his servants and says, what did you do with what I gave you? At Heritage, we like to say that we're sent ones. Sent ones. We live this apostolic life. We We are sent out from this place to be expressions of Christ sent ones but to be that really jesus defines the nature of being a sent one by saying freely freely you have received freely freely give it's matthew 10 he tells his disciples you have you have received freely in the way that god has been generous with you be a steward be a conduit be an instrument And our giving is not for applause or it's not for recognition. Our giving is worship. Our giving is an offering to Jesus. So when when we say generosity is worship, I mean that I do everything. We should do everything as Jesus for Jesus. As if it were him in his name and unto him. That is generosity. So what does the scripture say about the moral excellence of generosity. The Bible has a lot to say about, about generosity. A lot of the scriptures teach us about God's promises of provision. There's a lot of it there. Can, we can't escape it. Don't want to escape it. It'll be in our texts this morning, but we really want to look at, okay, what does the Bible teach us in terms of the moral excellence of generosity? Well, again, since uh, you, it, has a lot, it, it covers a lot, it has a lot to do with our lives, but since you brought up money, let's go there first. Let's talk about Jesus' generosity and money. Look at, look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 through 23. Here's how it begins. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Jesus tells us that there's a connection between our heart, our affections, our values, and our treasure. That what, what we do with our treasure is an indicator of our heart, but it also can direct our heart. Talk to more than one missionary uh, who said, you know, one of the, we said, look, we don't want people to, we, 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 one of the reasons why we, we hope people will continue to support us on, on any kind of level on a monthly basis is because we know if they're sending us any of their resources, their prayers will follow behind. Their heart will follow behind. But he continues in verse 22. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now, a lot of times we use this to talk about uh, the pure, having pure eyes and have, a, and have a good filter. And that's a great principle. And everybody should say amen. amen. But... 
this particular passage is less about that and more of, and he's still talking about generosity. He started talking about it in verse 21. I'm clicking the clacking. Are we okay? Should I switch? Wow, that's going to be annoying. Watch this. So he says, your eye is like a lamp. He's using a figure of speech uh, that was common in his day. He's talking about, uh, the word is haplos, but it's talking about a, a generous eye or an evil eye. That's actually what, it, it would be really great if the translators just said, your eye is a lamp that provides light. If you've got a generous eye, your whole body will be filled with light. That's what Jesus, if you have a generous eye, you, you, then it affects the light that comes into your life. But it, he, then he says, but if you have an evil eye, like this. If you have an evil eye, you've closed yourself off from light. The kind of eye we have determines the light that fills us or the darkness that prevails in us. And again, this we're talking about generosity is moral excellence. It is morally excellent, and it has the power to produce it in our life. But generosity is a, more about our heart than our hand. Generosity is, is, not about the, is about the content of our heart more than it is about the content of our hands. We know this because of what Jesus reminds us in, in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Uh, Luke says that while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then there was a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. Jesus, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has. So generosity is not about an amount in our heart, I mean, our hands, but what the content and the intent of our hearts. It's not about an amount, but about the love, even the joyful sacrifice behind it. Let's talk about Paul. Go to Paul. Hey, Paul, yeah, what do you have to think? What about Paul's generosity and moral excellence? If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, we're going to read this in the New Living, and we're going to let Paul just mostly speak for himself without a lot of comment, I promise, because Paul, Paul really makes it clear. He speaks pretty well for himself here, especially in the New Living. Here's Paul. Remember this. You will remember. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Everybody agree? But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Look at that. All the New Testament teaches us that that generosity is a matter of the You must decide in your heart. And then he says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And then he's quoting the Septuagint from Proverbs 22. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. We used to say, God loves a cheerful giver, so if you're a grump, keep it. Why do we say that? Because if you're a grump, it's not doing you or God any good. <laughs> but listen to verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Woo-hoo! Then you will always have everything you need and 
plenty to share with others, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. Once Generosity is like that law of physics that sets something in motion and it stays in motion until something of equal or greater force acts upon it. Generosity stays in motion for eternity. Woo! Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat in the same way. Listen to this, get happy. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now listen to Paul. He's going to talk about the progression of moral excellence here. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can Always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you. It just keeps going. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Wow, what an incredibly powerful virtue generosity is. Friends, we cannot, we cannot outgive God. I dare you to try. It'll be good for you. We will reap what we sow, so we should sow generously and we should do so joyfully. We should anticipate God to provide for and give increase to us so that we can be even more generous and our generosity blesses others and they in turn bless God and this is moral excellence. Woo! But Paul continues. Listen to Paul in in, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and probably you were waiting on this. You're like, yeah, but what about? We'll get to the what about. I'm just going to say chances are if you thought about it, I have to. All right. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. He's talking about longing. Someone say longing. He's talking, what's he talking about? He's talking about my hand or my heart? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a, you have a heart problem. If you have a heart problem, it will lead to foolishness and harm and harm and plunge you into ruin. Yikes. Then he says it, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, craving money, have wandered away from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. There it is. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. When we crave, when we hoard, when there's greed in our heart, it produces, it causes evil. Evil in our lives and evil around us. This is what James says, just kind of a segue over to James. James agrees with Paul. He does that. Don't tell anybody, don't, don't listen to people say he doesn't. James says in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. Ooh, that escalated quickly. 
you desire to have, so you kill. You covet. You cannot, you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. This idea of, of wanting more and seeing that other people may have something and this idea of, of this, this craving causes conflict between us. And we may not actually kill, but we might murder with our mouth. Generosity is the strongest antidote to the love of money. How do we cure this great evil, this craving, this greed? How do we cure that? Generosity. Somebody say generosity. You cannot be generous and covetous at the same time. You cannot be a craver and a giver. You can't be generous and greedy. You can't be generous and grumpy. You can't be generous and fearful. You can't be generous and selfish. Generosity does something to our hearts. It changes the the field of gravity in there. Instead of measuring and comparing and competing, it shifts to celebrating and blessing and encouraging. This is what I, one of the billion things I love about my wife is that if any, anybody that knows her, if anything good happens in their life, they will call her, they will tell her because she will absolutely celebrate with them. If, they have, if they've achieved something, earned something, got something, even if it's a shiny pair of something, especially if it's a glittery something, she will, what? Or a new truck. She will celebrate with you. She will celebrate. She will, she will do that. And she is the one in our family who she, well, I don't know. I mean, I like to do things, but she's a little bit better manager. But she loves to give. She loves to be generous. She loves to turn that thing outward. And I'll tell you what, it'll keep you from that poisonous thing of comparing, of craving, of wanting to make sure to keep people down a peg, all that stuff. Have a generous heart. If the love of money is a root of evil, then listen, then the love of giving is a root of all kinds of good. And Paul continues, this is what, when you go back to Paul now, this is what he teaches as he continues. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always ready to share with others. By this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future that they'll experience real life. This is moral excellence. Generosity, although you brought up money, generosity is more than money. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Paul says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Yikes. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Those are true principles, but Paul has something in mind. What's he after? What does he want us to do? Something that pleases the Spirit. How does he want us to live? Look at verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. 
We will reap whatever we sow, whatever we're generous with. So let's not get tired of doing good. Doing good. This is the essence of generosity. Doing good. You can be generous with doing good. You can be generous with encouragement. You can be generous with, uh, with your affirmation. And in, you will never grow, go broke giving encouragement. <laughs> you can and should be generous with affirmation, with praise. I don't know. Some folks have a kind of a hang-up there. You've heard people, well, I don't want to say too much. You'll get a big head. Well, first of all, my cranium's already rather large. So too late. But why? Do, no one needs the ministry of discouragement. No one does. You can be generous with, you You will transform people's lives by being generous with encouragement and praise. This is one of the, one of the goals we have in our family is to raise monsters. Literally, children who have an over-realized sense of confidence. <laughs> yes, you can. This is what it means. This is why I, people from the gym here, but this is what it means to be dabbed. This is, you will get a personal record if you work out with me. Not because I lift it for you, but because I will force encouragement into you. You will submit to my love and courage and confidence. That beep, beep, beep sound of a truck coming is the encouragement that I'm bringing into your life. Oh, listen, friends, people, you people need your praise. They need your app. You can be generous with it. And it's never going to be too much. Oh, no, I encourage them too much. You can be generous with kindness. You can be generous with mercy. You can be generous with mercy. That means before someone says, hey, I'm sorry about that, would you, you just start. You, you start. Love covers a multitude of sins. Generous love, that is. You can be generous with kindness. You can be generous with doing good like our Savior before us. Remember Luke tells us that, G- that we know Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good, benefacting, giving away good. As we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Be generous, especially to those of faith. Passage. Now let's close with one more passage. And come back and listen to Jesus, because now he's going to really challenge us. Jesus and radical generosity. Luke, 20, Luke 6, 27 through 35. Jesus says this, but to you who are willing to listen. We can be sort of fans of being generous, but if you really want to listen, listen to Jesus. The passage that I'm about to read uh, is a challenge to radical generosity. Here he goes. But to you who are willing to listen, I say this. Love your enemy. That is more than what is necessary more than what is expected. 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, give them the other one. If someone demands your coat, give them your shirt. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. But verse 31 is important. He says, you do it first. You pick the generous fight. Be generous. You start it. Who's going to be more generous? Pow, me first. You, this is proactive generosity, proactive kindness. This is strict. I'm going, to, I'm going to treat you. I'm not going to wait for you to treat me. I'm going to treat others the way I wish to be treated. If you love, listen to Jesus, third verse 32. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to only those who do good to you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to those who are going to repay you, why should you get any, any, any credit for that? Even sinners lend to others for a full return. Love your enemies. This is radical generosity. This is moral excellence. Love your enemies. Do good. This will change your heart and change your home and change your community and change your world. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward will be, and from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He is kind more than is expected or necessary. People exchange gifts. People return favors all the time. But Jesus is inviting those who will listen to a radical, world-changing, morally excellent kind of generosity. This is not passivity. This is powerful. This is not living in reaction to the world, but living proactively. This is, this is not living as a thermometer, simply adjusting to whatever the temperature is around you, but rather living as a thermostat, setting the temperature and the climate around you. Loving those who hate you. Blessing those who hurt you. Doing good to those who would do you harm. Giving with no strings attached. This is generosity that is rooted in faith and practiced in love. This is moral excellence. Imagine this with us. Imagine doing more than is expected or required because of love. Imagine, imagine enlarging the lives and the joy of others and enlarging your own joy in the process. Imagine suffocating greed, starving our fear of lack, and displacing selfishness. Imagine ex, ex, uh, extracting the root of all kinds of evil and planting the seed of all kinds of good. Imagine loving others abundantly, tangibly, sacrificially, and with no strings attached. Imagine 
moral excellence. How do we do that? Virtue always begins with the Holy Spirit. Always. This kind of generosity is not best efforted humanism. It's not our best shot. It is, Lord, come and fill me. Lord, let me receive the, your, the generosity of your blessing, your spirit in my life. Titus chapter 3, verse 6 says that he generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. And it is that same spirit that enables us to pour out our lives generously. Lord, come and fill us. Lord, fill us. Overwhelm us, Lord, with a fresh awareness of your holy presence. Overwhelm us, Lord, with a fresh awareness of your loving power and your profound goodness. Remind us that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, that his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Thank you, Lord. How do we practice this? We are be filled with the Spirit and then practice it by faith. We are generous because of faith, not because of how we feel, not because it's convenient, not because of our mood, but because we believe it is good and right and produces good and pleases God. By faith, we believe God's promises are true. So again, we practice generosity in every way we can with our money with our attention, with our time, with encouragement, with praise, with affection, with attention, and with every opportunity we have for doing good. This is moral excellence. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And we stand together as we close. Father, I thank you for the gift that Paul says, this marvelous gift. Lord, we receive from you. We ask that you would pour out your spirit and your blessing upon our lives afresh. And Lord, that you would anoint us, empower us, and inspire us to live generously because of the virtue of it, because of the moral excellence of it. 
This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody said amen. Amen. Hey, it's Fellowship Weekend. We've got a generous amount of food for you in the cafe. Hope that you'll stick around. There's even special coffee. Woo, nitro coffee. All right? God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here today.